This is the Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast. Each week, a couple of my friends and I get together and talk about two topics near and dear to our hearts and stomachs, food and movies. Each episode, we want to give you a taste of not only some of the interesting dishes we were able to indulge in and would like to recommend, but also the movies we had a ton of fun watching. Let's dig in. Hello and welcome to the Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast. I'm your host, Callie, and I'm joined by James in the studio today. James, how are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Good. Glad to hear that. And uh, how are all of your little uh, spiders and scorpions (laughs) doing? Uh, They've all been uh, growing a lot lately, and I've got the scorpion next to the mic, so might even be able to hear her. I kind of hope she does kind of sound bomb it a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) get a little cameo in there. (laughs) And what's your scorpion's name? Severus. You were telling me a little bit about uh, the name and where that came from, so really quick, just sort of for our listeners, where'd you get your name for the scorpion? Uh, Well, uh, one of my favorite emperors is Septimus Severus, and he's from Syria, and he was an emperor, and his name means to cut. And this is a emperor scorpion that has pincers that cut, and it's from Syria, so it all kind of fell into place. Not this one literally. I, I think she was born here, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, we definitely have an action-packed, magic-filled, mythic episode for our dear listeners today. We're going to be discussing 2011's Thor. So let's go ahead and get things cooking with our amuse-bouche. As we know, mythology is a major theme in our movie. From the Norse beliefs to Thor's hammer Mjolnir being stuck in the crater like Excalibur in the desert. This movie is heavily influenced by folklore and mythos. So I thought it would be fun for our muse Bouche to go ahead and do a little round of trivia. And uh, thank you, by the way, to IMDb for the information. I'm pretty much almost reading word for word, so I want to give credit there. So (laughs) thank you for helping me out with the questions here I'm about to ask. So just an easy one, James, that I'd like to get started off to just sort of get us warmed up here. Loki is the god of what? Uh, Mischief and chaos. Yes. Yeah. Mischief and lies, mischief and chaos, all of that fun, devious stuff. Uh, In Norse culture, surnames have a particular way of being constructed. What does Thor refer to Agent Coulson as? I'm guessing son of Cole. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You got it. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. Our third one. Mjolnir is an ancient Norse word for this. And hint, it is the name of a tool, a sandwich, and a dating app. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with hammer. I think I think like the Proto-Germanic, it's smasher. Grinder. Okay, I was wondering. I, did, I thought it was weird. I was like, is there a dating app called Hammer? But <laughs> everything else added up. <laughs> uh, so the fourth question. The New Mexico town that Dr. Jane Foster, her assistant Darcy, and Dr. Eric Selvig encounter Thorin is Puento Antiguo. What does that mean in English? Ancient point? Ancient bridge. Ah, So there could be a little connection there with 
sort of hitting on the Bifrost and hinting toward that. Interesting. Yeah. Our fifth question out of six. A Jotun calls Thor a little princess. And in the comics, Thor's hammer was once stolen. So he had to dress up like this goddess of love to retrieve it. Do you know the love goddess's name, James? Oh, shoot. I think it was Frigg. It's either Frigg or uh, Frey. Very, very close. Freya, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very close. You know, that's actually a real myth, uh, too. Yeah, so I thought that was sort of, like, you know, fun because they've they've used it in a couple different places and borrowed, obviously, from the, you know, word of mouth that was handed down. And it's a funny myth, by the way, because it's clearly meant to, like, amuse people because, you know, you've got this really tough guy, Thor, and he's doing all these feminine things in the myth. What happens is he goes to a, a Jotun who's either stolen his hammer or kidnapped his sister, depending on the story. And he, he basically pretends to be this Jotun's would-be bride. Oh. And everybody keeps taking issue with it. They're like, wow, uh, the bride sure can drink. Um, and, because the bride's just <laughs> chugging. And he's with Loki, by the way. And Loki's loving all of it. And uh, and Loki's like, oh, well, the bride, she hasn't she hasn't drank in... Uh, you know, weeks, because she was just so lovesick for this Jotun. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. And then they see Thor's eyes, and they're like, oh, my God, the, the, the bride's eyes, they're, like, glowing. They almost look red. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, she's so lovesick, you know, she hasn't slept in days. Like, all these excuses to account for Thor's, like, hyper-masculine behaviors. And, of course, by the end of the, the story, the jig ends up being up, and Thor just ends up killing everybody at the wedding party <laughs> except for Loki. Oh, God, so it's the red wedding. yeah. Pretty much. But worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't really know much about the folklore, so it's sort of nice to get to hear a little bit about that now, too. Um, Well, one more question for you. There are several artifacts seen in the Asgard weapons vault that are from the Marvel comics, including the tuning fork that's used to summon the monsters, the tablet of life and time that can extend one's lifetime, the casket of ancient winters, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a couple of minutes, and then this item. It is a glove encrusted with six reality-bending jewels, as we see later in the NCU, from one of our biggest baddies that we encounter in the universe. What is this glove called? Oh, man. Shoot. The Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah, you got it! Oh, snap. (laughs) I'm amazed. I was like, it's not the power glove. That was Nintendo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not the power glove. But, I mean, that's sort of what it means is power glove, you know. Uh, Well, good job, James. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's a perfect time for us to go ahead, talk about some awesome food in our apps haps. So today, James and I went to Wheeler's Pharmacy, not a place that you would necessarily consider to go to to eat a meal, but this 60-year-old-plus little establishment is really a little hidden gem, in my opinion. Um, I'd say it's probably the closest to a a soda fountain, wouldn't you, James? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not too many places you can pay bottom dollar for a malt and a burger, and it's it's... Very antiquated 
in its layout and its feel in a good way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it is a cash only. So I just want to like state that up front, <laughs> make sure you bring cash. And uh, this, I mean, it has everything from breakfast to burgers to, like you said, malts and shakes. And I mean, you also can just look and there's some orthopedic shoes right there available for you to go get if you really need them. <laughs> yep. Just thinking of the, the burgers, they were really good. Um, like they had, they were better than they had any right to be even mm -hmm. because, you know, there's two ways you can eat a burger in America, a big juicy one or a crispy caramelized smashed one. And what was great about this was their burgers were thick and juicy but they were really burnt and caramelized on the outside like a smash burger. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it was better than what I was expecting. I've heard really good things, but I was surprised. Yeah, it was good. And they, they clearly toasted those buns like right on the griddle in the, the beef drippings too. That was, that was a nice touch too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. The, you got the Buddy Burger, was that correct? Uh, yes, the Buddy Burger. What all did that consist of? It was two very good beef patties, American cheese, and a toasted bun. And mine came with chips and a pickle. The only complaint is they slice up the pickle real thin. I, I like a thicker one, but that's super, super arbitrary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sort of the same way. Uh, I actually would have probably liked a little spear pickle with it instead of the slice. Agreed. Definitely. Yours looked pretty good. And then mine was just like a regular cheeseburger and it had lettuce, tomato, mayo on it, came with fries. They have the crinkle fries and the pickles, uh, got a milkshake. You got a malt before we left. And I thought the shake was really yeah. good. It wasn't too thick. Yeah. Uh, the, the malt was great. Overall, would you go back? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It was really good. Uh, the burgers were, were, noteworthy and then the malt it's not very often you get a milkshake that's made with real milk which is tragic but also you know good good reason to go there <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah and i mean for two of us it was only like 25 dollars, and we got quite a bit of food yeah true so very reasonably priced and you know we decided to go to sort of this like diner kind of soda fountain because of the scene in thor where he's got his coffee mug and he's like another and throws it on the ground <laughs> <laughs> so i've just heard so many good things about wheeler's pharmacy you could tell when we were there that they have regulars that come in that you the waitress said oh do you want your sweet tea and uh you know sort of joked around with their customers yeah yeah friendly service decent prices really good food mm -hmm. absolutely so i definitely recommend it they have some reasonably good hours um, but they are closed on Sundays. So if you're wanting to go on a Sunday, go ahead and reroute that for maybe a Saturday instead. <laughs> but it was a very interesting little fun fact too. Like I walk in and I ask the cashier, so is the, uh, diner next door? Like, where is it? Because I'm not seeing it when I walked into the establishment, can't smell food, can't hear it cooking. Where is it? And the aisles served as such good barriers for sound and smell that I didn't know. Yeah, it's weird. Like walking up to the building, I could smell burgers. Mm -hmm. Walking into the building, it was just a pharmacy. And I couldn't smell burgers until I got within visual range of 
the actual sit down area. That was peculiar. I don't know how they pull that off. That's witchcraft. Yeah, magic. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely recommend it as well. It is going to be a new little spot I go to. It's off of Romany Road here in central Kentucky. So right near the University of Kentucky, probably within like a five minute drive, if that. So uh, definitely... I feel like worth checking out. James, obviously you think so as well. Definitely. Well, excellent. Well, this is a this is a pretty quick uh, review here of the food just because they really don't have a ton of information online besides for it being there for 60 plus years. So you'll just have to check it out for yourself. I would say they could probably seat, I don't know, maybe like up to 50 people at most. Would, would that be correct, do you think? Mm. I think that's pretty optimistic. I'm I'm leaning more towards thirty. I actually was just gonna say maybe that's, more. That's, 30. that's being that's my optimism personally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a little tiny spot. They got maybe three booths, and then they have a counter that sort of has like it's a it's a circle, and then there's like a flat part where the register is, and then there's another circle, and so you sort of sit around the circles or in those three booths. So, uh, but. Definitely, like I said, worth going. Make sure you bring cash. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead now and let's get started with our cinematic entree. Well, the god of thunder is stripped of his powers and cast to earth by his father, the great Odin, when his temper and arrogance gets the best of him, as we see, and it results in him and his friends taking action against their rivals, the Jotuns. Thor must work to regain his powers and be worthy of one day taking Odin's place as king. So mythology isn't the only theme that's really woven throughout our cinematic tapestry. Science and magic, which some can consider, are sort of the same thing. At least Thor, he does. We hear when he's talking to, to Jane about that. Uh, also a hero's journey, love, and a heaping serving of sibling rivalry <laughs> are what really stick out in my mind when it comes to this most. So let's start off with the sibling rivalry, as this is just such a huge factor for two of our main characters, Thor and Loki. From the get-go, James, we immediately see that they are just fighting and competing for Odin's affection. That is just so present in this. And, well, what's what's sort of our uh, our factor here as to why exactly they're competing so hard, James? Uh, well, one is something enormous is at stake, which is who gets to be king. That's one of the, the biggest mm -hmm. reasons. And then more, you know, psychologically, um, Loki probably has some repressed infant uh, uh, abandonment issues. <laughs> yes, yes. We definitely learn a lot about that, um, you know, as his interaction with Odin happens when Thor is on Earth. Just immediately, Thor comes off as, like, very arrogant since childhood even you see him when they get older and he's like walking through that hallway because they pretty much have decided well he's first born and so like many you know societies that person automatically will become the ruler when the current 
king or queen has fallen. And so Thor sort of has this, oh, look at me kind of thing going on. And uh, he's like hyping the crowd up to cheer for him. He's got that big old Cheshire cat smile. And, uh, you know, he does he does this weird winking thing where he's like winking at someone off screen. And I'm like, oh, he's winking to a lady. And it's his mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just like, is there going to be like an Oedipal complex in this? For like just a second, I thought about it. But luckily, that's not the situation here. And then like Loki is so annoyed. He's just like, for Pete's sake, oh my God, just shut up. Like just rolling his eyes all over the place. So it's very obvious that Loki is not the biggest fan of Thor, but you do see Thor like trusting Loki quite a bit, which definitely Loki uses to his advantage. And we especially see that when he and Thor are talking. So we've had our, our Jotuns come in during this like banquet that they're having and they sneak in to try and steal the casket of ancient winters, which sort of just veering off on a little side path here real fast. Do you know much about the casket of ancient winters, James? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> It's pretty much like, it's this crazy thing where I was like, whoa, okay, that's insane. So like in the beginning of the movie, you see them in Norway and like this giant storm is happening. So it's like this relic and weapon and pretty much it can just turn any landscape into a snow and ice storm. So it's pretty powerful. And so a lot of times the Jotuns would use that to go ahead and take over their enemy's world and realm and banish them from it and then claim it as theirs. That's what we see in the beginning there when they're attacking the Norwegians and then our Asgardians step in and they're like, uh, no, no, you don't. And Odin sort of throws down the hammer there and lets them know (laughs) that's not going to happen. And they end up taking back the casket of ancient winters. Going back now to our main premise we were talking about where Thor is pissed off. He's like, how dare they come into our house and try and take our things? And, you know, Loki's like, so, bro, um, you know that the only way you can do something is if you don't listen to dad. (laughs) And I think that was sort of like a nice little hit at the masculinity there because Thor prides himself on being just like this big brutish guy. And he's like, but daddy will tell you no. (laughs) (laughs) So immediately, Thor, what does he decide to do, James? Uh, He makes his decision instantly and carelessly. Or I would even say callously. Yes. And decides, I'm going to get my friends and we're going to go to (laughs) Jotunheim. And uh, so he takes Lady Sif and the Warriors Three, which is Fandral, Hogan, and Volstagg. And they go to Jotunheim, which... The difference between Asgard and Jotunheim is so stark. It's so massive because Asgard looks to me like a futuristic kingdom out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then Jotunheim, very different. How would you describe it, James? Uh, it's it's a wasteland. It, it's it's like an ice age world. It's chaotic. It's it's like cold Mordor. <laughs> it's. It's frozen Mordor, basically. Mm-hmm, yes. It's dark and it's creepy and it's cold. 
Like, mm. who wants that? Well, I guess the Jotuns. I guess they're cool with it. But, you know, not so much me. I like it a little warmer, you know. Um, which, you know, we see here how much actually the Jotuns like ice because they're able to transform their bodies into ice weapons, mm. which was super cool. Yeah, really cool. You take a creature that's called an ice giant, and they they really did a great job at taking that word and interpreting it as literally as possible, but in a cinematically cool way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, even just by touching their opponent, they give them frostbite, like hardcore, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, speaking of weapons, there's, like, a ton of weapons in this. I was sort of curious as to which one maybe you would like most so i have a list here so there's obviously like we just talked about the jotuns and how they can turn their body into ice spears and swords but we also have the obvious milnir we have the giant robot the destroyer which we haven't gotten to talk about yet but that thing's pretty wicked lady sif's sword and shield volstag's battle axe you know, Fandral's sword or rapier to get a little more specific. Uh, Hogan's metal mace with the retractable spikes, which is pretty cool too. Then the casket of Ancient Winters by Frost at one point is used as a weapon when Loki's like, I'm going to destroy it because I hate you all and I have bad abandonment issues. And then we have Loki's powers, which I mean, he sort of is like just this major weapon he's got astral projection shape-shifting hypnosis energy blast levitating i mean like everything or one of my favorites thor's guns his biceps i'll take two tickets to that gun show please (laughs) (laughs) so which out of those would you think you would probably want to fight with most in battle you know I, i i really like the mace just the way it looks and the way it would probably feel to just smash stuff with it yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna lean in towards the mace mjolnir mjolnir's the obvious winner but it's mm-hmm. like it's so cliche that I, i'm gonna go with the mace yeah i think that's great that you you did go you know away from the obvious um i actually really like loki's powers yeah. i mean there's just so much that can be done there that's true there's a lot of great ways to actually utilize loki himself as a weapon so i would pick him I think, uh, you know, the fight in Jotun wasn't really super big. I think it was like just enough to give us a little bit of a taste of what exactly our warriors can do. But um, yeah, they, they, they get into their fight. And then, of course, you know, Daddy Dearest is going to find out about it. And he's going to come in and swoop in and try and save the day. And he intervenes. Well... Thor decides, okay, it'd be a great idea for me to sass my father (laughs) and for me to say he's not as great of a king as uh, he really is. Dude, you may be the favorite, but you really need to get your sass in check because, (laughs) bro, you're about to find out exactly what all those words are going to do for you, which isn't much, but sending you with a one-way ticket to Earth, to the desert, Of all places, it's the desert of New Mexico. (laughs) Right. So Odin goes ahead and he sends him on down, strips him of his powers. And uh, then just just for funsies, he's like, here's the hammer, but you can't move it. You can't use it. Mm -hmm. Little like tease just to have it sort of right there in front of him, which 
that scene of Thor coming down to Earth was so cool because the sky lights up, a vortex comes down, and then all of a sudden there's just this hunky man. <laughs> the part where he gets hit by the car, it just makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> and it's like just the jokes they throw in a little bit with that too. Um, but there's just a lot of really cool effects in this movie. James, like, how many effects do you think are actually in it? And I'll give you a hint. More than 500, less than 2,000. Oof. Uh, well, let's go with 1801. <laughs> wow, that was really specific. <laughs> it's actually 1309. Wow. 1309 special effects were used. Quite a bit. And I mean, really, looking at the whole movie as itself, they do really well with the effects. They even hold up now. I watched the movie twice in preparation for doing this episode. And really, there was only one part that I saw the second time I watched it. Well, this is rewatching after already seeing it for years and years and years. But um, we're rewatching it for this second round. And I was like, that looks sort of a little like. Um, What's the best way to describe it? It was sort of like, it was dated at that point. Yeah, I, that was the word I was going to use, was dated. Did you notice any, besides for maybe the one where Loki's on the, the Bifrost uh, bridge with Thor, and Thor sort of like hits him backwards and he flies back like a rag doll? Besides for that one, were there any others that stuck out to you? Uh, not a lot. I mean, really, just the overall fact that you know, when CGI was done back then, objects that are meant to have a rougher texture just look shinier than they do in real life. Mm -hmm. That's why metal's so easy to do CGI of. So just little things like that, like somebody's armor, you know, the the metal portion of it looks perfect, but then the rougher cloth portion looks kind of like not fully done. Things like that. Yeah, I could see that too. Which, I mean, overall, I thought they did really well. Just speaking about, like, the wardrobe and stuff. I thought they did a really good job. Oh, yeah. The practical effects were amazing. Yeah. They really did capture that, like, Viking-esque kind of Norse godness. I feel like they captured that very well. Yeah, like cyberpunk Viking or something. I don't know. I like that. Well, we meet on Earth our, our scientists, and this is sort of where our hero's journey begins, which consists of Thor having to fight through some shield agents and trying to lift the hammer, and he's not really able to do it, and so he gets caught. There's this moment that he has where he's just so disheartened because he's used to having these powers for so long, and now he really realizes the reality of, they've been stripped away from me. If you were to look more like at the psychology behind Thor's reaction there, I mean, how big of an ego blow do you think that was for him, James? Pretty enormous. Um, and, and really, that's kind of like the the underlying theme of the story. It's, it's kind of a prodigal son kind of story where, you know, his ego gets him in the mess that he's in and uh, losing his ego, or at the very least deflating a little bit, is what solves it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that's what Odin knew that more than likely was going to be what happened. Otherwise, I don't know if he would have actually sent his son to another planet. Right. And and with Mjolnir, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's literally like, you know, when, when, you, when you become enough of a real hero to actually pick this up, 
then we'll talk. Yes. (laughs) It's teaching your kid the lessons of life and of becoming an adult. Yeah. Thor still did have a very, like, teenage boy mentality. (laughs) of like, (laughs) I'll do what I want when I want to do it. Which would be terrible for a king so yeah right so he was he was putting him in his place i think which was definitely necessary like you said we needed to deflate that ego just just a little bit we see him get picked up by dr eric and they go to like the bar and they have some boilermakers and <laughs> get some <laughs> drinks what's usually like your favorite uh beer to get at a bar james i really like uh Red ales. Mm. That's kind of my go-to. But really, I like most beer. Uh, IPAs are the only exception. They're just a little too astringent for me. Yeah, I'd like more of like a lager or something that's more toward like the darkest caramel colored, really. I will have a Guinness on occasion. But otherwise, I do like something that's not quite as high on the percentage level. Just so that (laughs) I don't have to get drunk after one. So I can sit and enjoy it and not feel too inebriated. But um, yeah, so we just, we get to see like that little sort of fun bonding experience between Eric and Thor. And I think that's where Eric's turning point sort of happens with him actually thinking maybe this guy could be who he's saying he is. Like maybe just slightly believing it a little more. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Asgard, we have uh, Loki who's, like hey so frost giants i'm working with you but oh my god i'm also one of you holy crap okay this is this is problematic i was not anticipating this and this guy who i'm trying to like use to help me execute my plan is actually my father oh oh no yeah talk about drama (laughs) Odin goes into the Odin sleep, and then Loki becomes the interim king. Thor's friends just not cool with this whole, like, change in authority. And they're like, okay, this guy's gotta go. We need Thor back. So that's when they head to Earth. And, you know, Loki, he's not... He's not liking that much. He's he's like, mm, no. So he approaches King Lofi and AKA his real dad. In mythology, that's his mom. Wait, what? Yeah, in, in the real mythology, Laufey was a, uh, a Yotuness, I guess you could say. And some people argue a goddess. And then his dad was, and that's a weird thing. We don't really know why he has a matronymic name. Like in Norse, it's always a patronymic name. But he's he is Loki Laufeyson in mythology. So he's named after his mom, not his dad. Yeah, okay, so I was thinking for a second, I'm like, wait, that's his mom and his dad? They're the same person? They're like, you know, they're able... (laughs) It's like, what? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) No. Okay, but that makes more sense. So they had, for for Jotunheim, they had a female ruler. I don't know if Laufey was really, like, in charge, in charge. In fact, Loki's a mystery because he is, like, basically chaos. Like, what he really is... Um, some people think his dad, Farbauti, was a Jotun, and his mom, Laufey, was a goddess. And maybe that's why it's matronymic, because a goddess trumps a, a Jotun. But I don't really know. I, I actually think it has more of a... It's, it, it has to do with um, nature worship. Because if you look at their names, Farbauti means like swift hit or, or, or smashing hit. And then Laufey means leafy. And then Loki means wildfire. 
Well, it's like, what happens if something that goes swiftly, like lightning, hits something that's leafy? It results in a wildfire. So I think there might be like more of a like an animistic reason for the names. I don't flip it though. Sorry to get off topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's cool. That's cool. Like I, that's interesting because I didn't know that, you know, and I, that now makes me sort of question as to, okay, well, if that's the, the possible mythology of it, why did we change the gender to be a king instead of keeping as a queen? Yeah. So I don't know if maybe that had to do with just, you know, women weren't quite as predominant still in film. Yeah. I feel like it's really... Women have taken off as being more of the the heroine and uh, more in charge in the last decade or so. And this was like right before that. Maybe that could play the part. Maybe they just thought it would be easier. And it's a king. I don't know. But interesting. Interesting fact. So... So he's like, hey, hey, dad, I need you to attack and kill Odin. That way no one suspects it's actually me. And then I can take the throne and we can work together to make this mutually beneficial. But he's got his own sneaky sneak plan against Laffy. Before we get there, though, back on Earth, (laughs) Thor's friends arrive. And the part where Volstagg is like, found you. And he's up at the... (laughs) The, the window and it just cracks me up there's a lot this is one of the funnier marvel films really they really intersperse the funny with it a lot yes absolutely they pepper it in there really nicely to where they're like it isn't too much to come off as goofy but just enough to where it's making you laugh you know quite often so it's a nice balance now this scene it's just like it's so It's so great in so many ways because you have the friends, you know, arrive, found you. And he's like, oh, my friends. And he's just like all excited to see them. And you see Eric drop his mug and he's just like, oh, my God. okay, this is real. You see like these two shield agents on the roof and they're like, is there supposed to be like a renaissance fair happening? That's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, I love that that line. We get to see them all of a sudden go into like this crazy battle because we really, I mentioned very briefly the giant robot named the Destroyer. Uh, You know, we were talking about the types of weapons, but we really didn't discuss much about him. So James, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Destroyer? Maybe if they don't remember or if somehow they haven't seen this movie yet, would you describe that for them? Can do it for whatever reason. It always makes me think of a cross between the robot at the end of The Incredibles and the robot from the day the Earth stood still. So it's basically like a big spooky robot, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it has the ability, as, as true to its name, just destroying things. It's supposed to serve the king of Asgard, uh, and because Loki is <laughs> technically uh, king of Asgard right now, it has. It's it's gone to Earth to really take care of, of Thor, and it can do a lot. It's very strong, it's very hard to bring down, and it shoots energy blasts out of this little visor up top, and that's probably the scariest thing about it. That and the fact that it can sort of rearrange itself to become... Uh, a lot more mobile than a a regular person. Yeah, yeah. Like, we see that where Lady Sif comes down with, like, a spear, and then she drives it into them, and all of a sudden its body starts turning, and I'm like, wait, what? What are you doing? 
Oh my god. <laughs> it's very, very Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really nice throwback right there. Yes. Terminator 2. Oh my god. It's so creepy because like initially you have that sort of, whew, okay, I'm relieved because the thing is dead. But wait, that was sort of easy. Oh no, it's not dead. Oh my god, it's turning around. <laughs> it's gonna blast her in the face. Luckily, she gets away unscathed. But then you see it just shooting those laser beams out all over the town, destroying this place. Henceforth, the Destroyer is its name. So, the of course, you know this moment has to happen where... Thor is going to go ahead and sacrifice himself. And this is where he regains his almighty Thor powers. Everyone, especially Jane, is like, whoa. Oh, my God. (laughs) So she is like, this is how you normally look when he gets like his outfit going and he looks all fab with his cape. And she's like, okay, yeah, like I was already about this, but now like I'm really about this. And so he's like, okay, destroy the destroyer. Oh, my brother is currently ruling Asgard. Probably need to go take care of that. The part where we have Lofi actually like in Odin's chambers was so creepy when he's like lifting up the eyelid and he's like talking to him. Like, no, that's not cool, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real spooky scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. And then all of a sudden, this is where Loki's sneaky sneak plan comes in and he kills Lofi. But then Thor comes in right before Loki can actually kill Odin, which I'm curious if Thor wouldn't have actually made it, if Loki would have even just stopped for a second and hesitated, possibly not have killed Odin. I don't know what the likelihood of that would have been. Do you think he would have stopped at any point, James? Oh man, that's that's tough to say. I, I think with all the just processing his his real identity, probably not. I think he would have been more inclined to just follow through with it and see what the... I mean, that's chaos for you in a nutshell. Do things and then see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And then realize, oh, that was a mistake after it's already been done. So, not good. But yeah, so we... Luckily, we don't have to worry about that because Thor does get there in the nick of time. And he's able to help make sure that Odin's safe. So, um, but this, of course you know, leads into them having a fight. Loki's already run off trying to destroy Jotunheim because, you know, he's got his own issues involving that. And he's, I I don't know if that's maybe just his way of being like, well, this will be good for me as a ruler because I can go ahead and destroy this thing that's like an issue for the whole entire kingdom. But also because then I'm getting rid of any kind of evidence that I was once from this race of people. Maybe there was a little double meeting there. Mm, no, that makes sense. All of a sudden, Thor has gotten Odin's approval. This is where, you know, our sibling rivalry really, it comes back into play again pretty hard. He's pretty much given approval to Thor, but Loki never gets that. And you can see how 
disappointing that is, which is interesting because he was just about to kill him. But now he's like, but wait, father, I still want your approval. It's really sad when you look at it because you know that from the beginning, Loki, for one, he looks different from his brother and from his parents. He must feel different. There's probably a lot of hurt that came into here. So just sort of an interesting psychological question for you, James. Do you feel that Loki's like pain really drove him to do the evil things? Or do you think that this was something that he was just inevitably going to possibly inherently be one day and just become evil? I think the ambiguity of that is one of the reasons why Loki is one of the most interesting characters in the MCU. Because he does have complicated motivations for the things that he does. Uh, much more so than than pretty much any hero or villain in the MCU. And so that's a debatable thing. Like, is he just innately, by virtue of being mischievous and chaotic, is he just innately going to be drawn to doing the wrong thing? Or is it, you know, does it all stem from all the consequences that, that he felt, you know, as an outsider uh, his whole life? Um, and then even with that, we can pull the lens back and, and ask ourselves, so... Bearing that in mind, was it selfish and wrong for Odin to take him as an infant? You know, because uh, it was political. That was the logic. Like, I'm going to make peace between two nations one day by kidnapping the prince of a, a world. Uh, so then, you know, that, that begs that question. Like, you know, would things have turned out better for him if he'd remained on uh, Jotunheim? Don't know. Those are really good points. I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both, honestly. Because if your parents, for example, if they're afraid of snakes, there's a good possibility you may be afraid of a snake too. There's just sort of this like generational trauma that's handed down. I feel like maybe that could play a little bit of a part of it. But also, yeah, just him feeling like an outsider his whole life. That's a very difficult thing to try and deal with. Moving on from sort of that more like sad moment to something that's a little more fun for us, which is talking about food and drink. So, you know, we see at the end there after Loki has disappeared into the darkness of space, um, they are having a banquet. And at a banquet, James, what kind of food would you like to have there? And then maybe do you know anything about what they would eat at like these big types of banquets back in like the Norse? Days? I do, and it overlaps a lot with my own appetite. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I immediately think of when I think of a banquet, I think of at least two forms of like roast animal, you know, like just period. And for me, I love turkey um, and I love uh, ham. And, you know, having, having roast pork and roast uh, turkey would be a big element for me. But, you know, the, the actual like blutes and feasts and all that. Uh, in Norse and Germanic culture, a lot of boiled meat is, is one thing. A lot of boiled uh, pork would, would have been a component, but uh, beef would have been more common. And then most common, but weird for an American, would be horse meat. Boiled horse meat would have been probably one of the most common elements of a feast or a banquet. And that's because that was Odin's favorite sacrifice aside from uh, alcohol was was horse horses were associated with odin so if you had a feast you almost certainly had some boiled horse wow huh yeah i wouldn't want the boiled horse but 
But the alcohol sounds fine. Well, that, you know, it's funny. The reason why we don't like it is is largely because of that. You know, it was so associated with paganism that it was banned for like, you know, six, seven hundred years. <laughs> and so it became part of our uh, culture. We did talk about that at one point. I'm not sure if it was on this podcast or if it was just personal conversation. Yeah. But yeah, we've, we've talked know. about that at some point. I'm just like, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because I mean, like horses... They do run wild even now, so it's like it's a type of livestock, in <laughs> essence. Um, with mine, I mean, have you ever been to Medieval Times? I haven't. It's it's on my to-do list, though. So I went back when I was in, like, sixth grade. And, um, you know, you get, like, this big turkey leg, and you get to just eat with your hands. And <laughs> having, like, the stereotypical, like, the, the turkey, like you mentioned. Which is funny, because turkey's from America. <laughs> That is interesting. Huh. Well, medieval times. Um, <laughs> it's more Aztec than... Uh... <laughs> medieval times, if you ever hear this, and you would like to invite James and I to come down and discuss this further with you, we would be happy to do an episode <laughs> in medieval times and talk about your organization a bit more, along with uh, the actual realities of where turkeys are from. But anyways, uh, you know, just having your meat and your potatoes. I mean, I think of maybe at that time, like, I don't know where boars are originally from. They would have eaten boars, not potatoes, though. Those are from America, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just having a, a bunch of a bunch of meat and potatoes, pretty much. Um, and then, of course, having the mead or, uh, you know, the wine at that time, which speaking of beverages, it's time for Martini Shots with James. James, you've prepared us a drink today. What do you have for us? I have. And, you know, you, you walked right into it with that mead reference. Um, you know, it, it's just innately associated with, with that time period and with the fantasy, you know, of, of Thor. And uh, so I thought, well, okay, let's start with, with mead. And then in mythology, I don't think they mention this in Marvel at all, but, you know, the, the gods, they stay young by having apples mm -hmm. grown by the goddess Eden, which I think is weird, apples of Eden. Consider that. Mm, interesting. You know, I mean, that's, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, right? Um, so I thought, well, okay, I want to balance out any kind of apple and honey flavor because it's pretty sweet with something sour. So this is, uh, this is what I've come up with. So what you're going to do is you're going to take uh, mead and put that in a uh, wine glass with a little bit of room to spare, so about five ounces. Uh, you could also use a coupe glass or, well, you could use any glass, frankly, but a wine glass that looks nice. And then what you're going to do is you're going to add to a shaker three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice and a shot of apple brandy or Calvados, which is actually better. That's like a French iteration of apple brandy. Um, and you're going to shake just the lemon juice and apple brandy with ice, and then you're going to strain it into the mead, give it a little stir, and garnish with a wheel of lemon. And uh, I, was, I was trying to mull over like what I wanted to, to call it, and I was thinking like Mjolnir comes from a word meaning smash, like Proto-Germanic. So I think a mead smash would just be a fun name for it. Okay. But that's what it is. It's mead, apple brandy, preferably Calvados, and uh, lemon juice. 
Very cool. Well, thank you, James, for uh, deciding to make that drink. And like, what would the taste profile be for that? Would it be like a nice balance of sweet and sour or? Yeah, it would be pretty balanced. Um, You could definitely taste the lemon, but more than anything, it just cuts some of the sweetness of the mead because most mead, and if you want to omit the lemon juice, you can, but just use a really dry mead. But 99% of the meads out there, at least in America, are like really sweet. And so it cuts through that. And then uh, apple brandy is going to add an obvious apple component. And it's also going to make it stronger. It's basically a double at that way. It's, it's a boiler maker in some ways. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, something that's low in alcohol and something that's high in alcohol. Interesting. So, yeah. Is mead typically like historically something that's always been sweeter or is that something that's more Americanized and Westernized? Uh, you know, that's a good question. And unfortunately, I don't know if we know the answer to that. I do know that mead was a lot more popular back in the day just because honey was so much more abundant in Europe, you know, before industry took over. Mm-hmm. But as for how long they fermented it, not really sure. Um, because that's the difference, you know, the, the difference between sweet meat and dry meat is just how long you let it sit just because of like hygiene practices and, you know, the ability to sanitize things. If I had to bet, I'd say that it was more sweet back then. It was, it was, you know, typically probably like 10% ABV and sweeter. Whereas modern meat, we have the capacity to make it more like 20% ABV and more like a dry white wine. That's just me guessing, though. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know a ton about mead. <laughs> no problem. So, yeah, that's a better guess than what I would have had. <laughs> well, let's do a little production info here before we move into our next section. So, uh, with our budget, it is an estimated $150 million. Mm. Yeah, so. So, a nice size budget for 2011. I mean... If you compared it to what it would be now, I mean, I don't know if we could necessarily double it, but I feel like it would be a few more million dollars. Uh, That's for sure. I'm wagering, yeah. Our uh, gross worldwide for this was just, it was, wow, it was almost $450 million. So it was just shy of that. Nice. Yeah. So they've got a nice little... Who doesn't want a 400% (laughs) yield on their investment? Right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, So a little fun fact about our setting is that the entire town was actually constructed in Gillespie, New Mexico. So it's a completely fictional location. Unfortunately, you can't really go to visit it because it doesn't exist. Hmm. But um, Galistio will be the closest that you can get to the actual location. Last thing, we have a Kentucky connection. An actor who is named Josh Dallas, and he plays Fendral. Mm. Yeah, he's in the, the series Once Upon a Time as one of the main characters in there. And I had seen him in there, and I was like, wait a minute, where's this guy from? Uh, and found out he was from Kentucky. So I cool. thought it was pretty cool that we have a Kentucky native who's in this movie. So, well, let's go ahead and let's move into our Oscar Mayer Wiener Awards. So, James, who is your award going to? Oh, man, it's a tough one. Um, probably, I mean, you know, now now, now I'm going to be really cliche, but 
just by balancing the motivations of a hero with the comical elements, I mean, Chris Hemsworth knocked it out of the park playing Thor. Um, he, he actually made one of the least popular Marvel characters, because Thor has never been a big character, one of the most popular characters just by his own charisma. So definitely Chris. Yeah, that's a great choice. I'm actually going to go with the effects team and art department. That's what we always seem to do. We alternate. Right. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Between we effects do. and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to give an honorable shout out to the costume design, which is Alexandra Breen. I mean, just looking at all of it, there's, there's some cool little stuff here for us. So like Thor's armor, they made it like more mainstream and just sort of made it more toward like the, the ultimate Marvel comics universe. And so it's a little more of that, that more modernized version, which I do like, but it also still has that really nice Norse feel to it. Funny fact about Chris Hemsworth, he bulked up so much that his, from his screen test when they initially did the measurements, that when he went to put on the costume, it was cutting off circulation. Oh, wow. So they had to adjust that. Yeah, was, uh... yeah. And then Tom Hiddleston, the poor guy, he, the helmet he had to wear with those like ram horns, it was so heavy and uncomfortable that he really ended up like channeling his discomfort and used it in the battle scenes. So that sort of helped his acting a bit. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, but it's hard because it's like you want to make it practical at the same time. Like you want to make it look good, but you also, you know, it's just, it's a hard balance to get. So that helmet did look heavy. It did look heavy. So, well, yeah, that's, those are, I think, two slash three good uh, different folks to give those awards to. Let's go ahead and let's go into our sweet endings now. So who is going to be winning your favorite quote? And what is the quote? Ah, um, yeah. My, uh, there's so many funny moments in Thor. But my favorite quote is probably, because it, it shows fish out of water aspect of the story, but it's also just hilarious is when Thor goes into a pet store and he's like, I need a horse. <laughs> and the clerk's like, we, we don't have horses, we're just dogs, cats, and birds. And he's like, then give me one of those large enough to ride. So <laughs> yeah. I just I love that, that he you know just assumes he's going to get like a flipping parrot steed or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. And it is, the guy's just looking around like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine goes to the scene where Thor is fighting some of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And there's just this one real big one. And he's like, you're big, but I fought bigger. It's just that immediate arrogance that mm. Thor has. But it's like just a nice comic relief. It's him just a nice little observation he's pointing out. He's also sort of complimenting the guy. He's like, yeah, you're pretty big, but I fought people who are bigger than you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I really I enjoy this movie, even after maybe not seeing it for a few years, but just rewatching. It was fun to sort of get to rehash. James, thank you so much for joining me once again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
You're welcome. And thank you listeners for joining us. Uh, Definitely keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be coming out very, very soon for you. And also thank you to Kenny for the music. And if you would like to reach out to us on social media or just check us out, this is how you can do so. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FRM Podcast and email us at frmfan at gmail.com. Grinder. Okay, I was wondering. I, did, I thought it was weird. I was like, so there's a dating app called Hammer? But everything else added up. <laughs> <laughs>